Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Y'all doing? Y'all feeling good? This, uh, I'm always playing with this microphone. I'm always fidgeting with it, but it's, it's good today. Y'all, y'all, y'all ready? Y'all excited? Okay, yeah. Well, we're going to do this anyway because I ain't got nothing else to talk about, okay? So we're going we're gonna to do this. Uh, the, the real preacher will be back in a few weeks, so um, we're going we're gonna to keep plugging along. Does that sound good? I mean, I'm going to echo what... I'm going to echo what David said. Um, echo, echo, echo. Uh, you, you know, the, my favorite part of what he said was the authenticity of the, the people on the stage. And, you know, nobody's, nobody lives a perfect life. But, I mean, it's, it, what, what really solidifies it is things like, I was here Thursday night, things when, when people are worshiping in practice and in run-through, um, what it does is it sets... The, the spirit sets the atmosphere in this room for Sunday morning, but it also, it, it, it just shows how genuine it is for them. And, um, you know, and I'm not just talking about the singers, I'm talking about everybody. Um, the people that are way up top there and are pushing buttons and make all that happen. And I mean, everybody, it really is just a, an incredible, uh, authentic uh, atmosphere. And so we're, we're appreciative. They don't, they don't get enough, enough thank you. Uh, this morning, I'm going to, we're going to be celebrating baptism in, in just a few moments. And um, but I, before we do that, I want to I teach on baptism. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions, a lot of misideas about what, what baptism is and what baptism means and when should you get baptized, when should you not get baptized, what, what am I saying when I, when I get baptized. And so I want to teach for a few moment, moments this morning before we have baptism. And it's not going to be an extremely lengthy thing. Y'all might get out of here at 945. I don't know. Um, but I do want to teach just a little bit about baptism, especially when you reach as many unchurched people as we reach as a church. Um, we just want to be really clear on what baptism means. And we have always been really particular in talking to people that come to get baptized, explaining to them exactly what they're doing before they, before they do it. But I just kind of want to set us um, a kind of a theology of, of what baptism is for, for us as a church before we dive in. Really, baptism comes down to identity. I looked up some numbers on identity theft, and this is what I discovered. Has anybody ever been a victim of identity theft? Anybody? You have? Okay. This is what I discovered. You're not alone. Uh, in 2018, credit card fraud, there were nearly 247,000 reports of people opening cards in other people's names. 14.4 million people in 2018 suffered identity theft. Fraud losses in 2019 hit 16.9 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars. And around 10% of Americans, so if you raise your hand, you're one of the 10%, congratulations, around 10% of Americans have been victim to identity fraud, 21% of whom have been victimized more than once. Identity is an important thing, and it's not just 
it's not just our social security number. It's not just our banking account. It's not just that password that you have to re-enter and reset every time you log into your bank because you never can remember what your other password was because it said to try to make it different and you made it different and now you can't remember it and now you've got to make a different one. You know what I'm talking about? And then they give you those little things and there's no possible way you can make out what that is or you have you swear you've checked on all of the crosswalks in, that, in those pictures, but yet it still rejects you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Thanks for letting me have a moment. But that's not, that's not just what identity is. It's not just a social security number or a banking account number or even a, a credit card number or, or your address. According to, to Webster's, identity is the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. Our identity is what makes us us. And it's not just the clothes we wear or the friends that we have or the job that we do or the kids that we take care of. I almost said created, but the kids that we take care of. It's not just the things we like. It's not just the things we dislike. Our identity is, is who we are at our core, who we are at the very essence of, of, of our core, of our innermost being. It's where we get our value. It's what we see as valuable. It's the things that mean the most to us. It's, it's who we are at our core. And there's a lot of people that, that struggle with their identity. They struggle with who they are, and it throws their whole life into, into confusion. You know, some people will try to give you an identity that's not really yours. I read a study or a, a, a little thing about a principal in Indiana several years ago. He took, he was at a struggling school and he took his 10 top teachers and 10 top students and he gave them a special curriculum for six months. And he said, I want you to try this curriculum. Let's just see what it does to test scores. It didn't take very long at all for that experiment to go very right. And within just a few weeks, those kids' scores even began to raise higher with the more challenging curriculum. Six months later, the, the principal calls the teachers into the room along with the students into the room, and he confesses that these 10 students were not the top 10 students at this school. They were just completely randomly selected students. And these 10 teachers even were not the top 10 teachers at the school. They were just 10 random, completely random teachers. You know, you really do begin to believe you are what other people say you are sometimes, don't you? Whether it's a good thing, like in that way, or it's, 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 in a, it's in a negative way because people will try to tell you and people will try to define who you are. If you're a mom in the room, culture will try to define who you are and what you should be and what you should do. And when you don't live up to that standard, you feel pretty bad about yourself, don't you? Husbands, dads, culture will try to define what you should be as a dad or as a husband. And if you don't live up to that standard, up to that identity they try to give you, it makes you, it makes you feel bad. Kids... There's so much pressure in today's world. If you're under the age of 21, under the age of 18, there's so much pressure in today's world that tries to identify you and give you an identity in a certain way. And when you don't live up to that, it feels like there's, there's something wrong. It feels like there's, there's something missing. And in all of that, we can lose who we really are. And if our identity is not in something solid, not in some, if it's not in something that doesn't shift, that doesn't change, then we will be left wondering who we are when our world begins to crumble. I see this all the time. As I talk to people and as I counsel with people, one of the key issues in people's lives is they don't know who they are. 
And so they go and they, and they look for it. Maybe I'll find it in, in, in this. Maybe I'll find it in a new job. Maybe I'll find it in this hobby. Maybe I'll find it by trying to fit in with this group of people. And we do that even as adults. That sounds like a high school thing, but we do that as adults. Maybe I'll find my identity in, in, in the things I eat or the things that I don't eat or, or, or working out. Maybe I'll find my identity in, in finding a spouse, in finding a boyfriend, in finding a girlfriend. And what happens is when those things that they've built their life on and they've tried to find their identity in, when it gets ripped out from under them, everything begins to crash. Because they've placed their identity, their foundation of who they are, in something that's not able to sustain. It's not able to hold the weight of their, of their lives. We need something that's solid to define us. We need something that's solid that no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, it is unshakable. We need Jesus, obviously, right? That's the right answer. We're in church. It's Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. That is the only stable place to find your identity. And if you put your hope in anything else, it may sustain you for a moment. But you are setting yourself up for miserable. So I want to look at the baptism of Jesus this morning, and then I want to talk about a couple of things off the, off, the, off, the, off the hills of that that will hopefully help us understand baptism a little bit better. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, there's a story of Jesus getting baptized, and, th- and this story that I'm about to read actually occurs in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four have this story in it, and that's important because if it's in all four then we know it must have been a monumental thing. It must have been on everyone's minds as they're writing their gospel. So it happens in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And just to give you some context, Jesus, if if you're kind of new to church, Jesus, throughout the Old Testament, or the part of the Bible that was before he came, throughout the Old Testament, Jesus is foretold. He's prophesied about that he'll do certain things, that he'll, that he'll make certain ways, that he'll die a certain death. He's prophesied about throughout the the Old Testament. And so the Jewish people are awaiting this man who has been foretold about, who's been prophesied about. They're eagerly expecting him to show up on the spot. And so in Matthew, we find a guy named John the Baptist. He wasn't Baptist, wasn't his denomination. He was a baptizer. So if you're Pentecostal in the room, if you're Methodist in the room, if you're Presbyterian in the room, you're still just as holy as the Baptist because John wasn't Baptist. He was a baptizer. Just setting that up. If you're nothing, you're cool too. But John the Baptist, he arrives on the scene, and his job is to prepare the way for Jesus to do his work. And so John comes along preaching this message, and basically it's, it's two parts. He had two points. There wasn't a poem. There wasn't an illustration. Two points. Repent. Be baptized. How would y'all like it if Pastor Scott and I and Pastor Brian stood up here every Sunday and we only had two points? Repent. Be baptized. Some of y'all were like, I'd like that. We could get out of here quicker. But repent. and Be baptized. That's John's message. And so John begins to gather kind of this group of followers around him. And people are, are following him because they're expecting him to lead them to this Savior who has been foretold about and they've always believed was coming. So let's read it. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. Why are you coming to me? Now, just, just to kind of give you some idea here, some 
biblical scholars, people that are a lot smarter than me, will say that John absolutely knew that Jesus was the Savior. Some will say that he may not have known yet. He may not have fully been able to comprehend yet that Jesus was the prophesied Savior. And I don't I don't really think it, it matters a ton. I think sometimes we get hung up on that stuff. I don't think it matters a ton, but I think what's really important is even right here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, John realizes that there's something different about Jesus. He realizes the goodness of Jesus. Do you see that? He says, Jesus, my message has been repent and be baptized, but here you are wanting to get baptized. So basically what John is saying, he's saying you don't have anything to repent of. Repent means to change direction, to, to pivot from, from something that's bad and turn to something that's good. And John is saying, Jesus, why do you want me to baptize you? Like, you haven't done anything. You're, you're perfect. You're spotless. Even at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, John realized how good Jesus was. He is good, isn't he? Like, Jesus is good. Do you realize the goodness of Jesus do you, do, do you realize, like, really? And I'm not just talking about something that you just happen to skim across in Scripture or uh, from reading a, a, a Bible at the doctor's office while you were waiting when they could still have Bibles out. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about do you really recognize the goodness of Jesus? Have you really stopped to think about it? If you're a believer in Jesus, have you realized what he's been willing to do for you? Have, have you realized his power and his might and his love and, and his compassion and his willing to move on your behalf? Have you noticed his holiness and how his perfection makes a way for you? Do you recognize the goodness of Jesus? Think about the most pure water you've ever seen. Maybe it was in the Caribbean or whatever. Think about the most pure water you've ever seen. Jesus is more pure than that. Do you realize the purity, the perfection, the goodness, the grace, the love, and the compassion of Jesus. John realized, Jesus, you're good. You don't have anything to repent of. Why should I baptize you? And so Jesus responds. Verse 15 says, but Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Now, the baptism story of Jesus is really important to the entire gospel story. The gospel story is the good news of Jesus, the whole Jesus story. This is, is, is really important because when Jesus says I, we have to carry out all that God requires, what he's doing is, is not just in the moment, but he's also foreshadowing shadowing what he'll do on the cross and after the cross, through the resurrection, he's laying the groundwork for what his next few years are going to look like. He's saying, I have to carry out all that God requires, not just now, but, but later. He's laying the groundwork to follow. And that's one of the reasons why today we get baptized. Because we get to be a part of this, of this picture that Jesus is talking about here. I've got to carry out all that God requires. And when we get baptized, when we go under that water... We're playing a part. We're identifying ourselves with what Jesus is about to do. So John baptizes Jesus in verse 16. It says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, you have this picture. Maybe close your eyes and try to get this picture. As Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son 
who brings me great joy. Now, these two verses change everything. This may just be Matthew 3, but these two verses change everything. Because in these two verses, the entire Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are present. In these two verses, all three are represented. You have Jesus being baptized. You have the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, a symbol of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. And then you have God, a voice saying, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And that's one of the reasons why when we baptize, oftentimes you'll see someone baptize someone and you'll say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and that's one of the reasons because at this moment, this moment in history, all three were present. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's really interesting because this account that Matthew gives in, in this passage is one of the two only times that God speaks directly in the book of Matthew. But both of those times, when God speaks, he is identifying Jesus as his son. And that's big because one of the questions that I often get as a pastor is people will say, did Jesus ever claim to be God's son? Well, yes, he did. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one's come to the Father except for through me. But it really doesn't matter. After this verse... It really doesn't matter if Jesus ever said directly, I am God's son, because God in this verse says, this is my son, who I am well pleased. Do you realize this morning, if you're a believer in Jesus, do you realize how God identifies you? Do you realize the things that he says about you when he sees you, when, when, when he looks on you, when, he act, act, when he's active in your life? Do you realize what he thinks about you? Because I think as culture grows increasingly, increasingly less Christian, maybe even less spiritual is kind of what's happening now. A few years ago, we said the world is still spiritual. It's just not Christian, but it's getting less and less even spiritual. But as the world gets less spiritual, I think sometimes we can think of God or in a lot of different ways, and it brings up a lot of different pictures in people's lives. Even those of us that follow Jesus, I think when we hear the word God, we can get different ideas. Like sometimes we just kind of think of God as the big guy in the sky, right? Or the big man upstairs. But do you realize the parental nature of God? Like, do you realize that when God looks at you, if you're a follower in Jesus, that you are identified as his son or daughter, that when he looks on you, he says, that is my son, that is my daughter who I am well pleased in. Because remember, your identity is in Jesus. And so if he looks at Jesus and says that, he's looking at you and saying that. That is my son, that is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. He doesn't just look at you and say, oh, she believes in me. It's good for her. He believes in me. Good for him. God says, just looking through parts of Scripture, he says, you are my workmanship. I have created you. I have crafted you. He says, you are alive Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it to the full, abundantly, running over more than they could imagine. God says you're seated with Christ, that you have a seat beside Jesus. God says that you're a child of God, that you're more than a conqueror through Jesus, that you're blessed, that you're an heir to the blessing of God. That is who God says you are. And I think it's important because it's really easy for us to beat up on ourselves, especially those of us who feel like we've never quite figured out who we are. God tells Jesus, this is my son 
he pronounces to the world, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, if you're a Jewish audience and you are at this event, you are at the baptism that day, if you're a Jewish audience, you would immediately recognize these words. Because this is my son comes from Psalm 27. They would have heard Psalm 27 where God declares that the Messiah is his son. That would have immediately triggered. They knew the Old Testament so well. As a Jew, it would have immediately triggered that. The, the, the words with whom I'm well pleased would have been remembered from Isaiah 40, 42.1. And at the beginning of all of the, the prophecies about what the suffering servant Jesus would do, it mentions that God would be well pleased with him. So in a moment, the audience that was around that day would have immediately been triggered to say, yes, this is a monumental occasion. So what, is, what does it mean for us today? Why don't we get baptized? Number one, to identify. Identify. Baptism identifies you as God's son or daughter. You identify with the death in the resurrection of, of Jesus. As when we baptize, as, as someone goes under the water, what they're, what they're saying, what they're signifying there, what they're identifying with is they're identifying Jesus when Jesus was willing to die. And so what they're saying when they go under the water is they're identifying themselves and they're saying, I die to my old self. I die to trying harder, to trying to do more, to living on a whim. I die to all that. And as they come out, they're identifying with his resurrection. They're saying, I am, I am raised to new life in Jesus. My old is gone. My new has come. And as they come out, they are celebrating the fact that Jesus got up from the grave and they are getting up to a new life with him. A life that's not perfect. It's not easy, but it's different. It's resurrected. It's changed. It's new. They are symbolizing the death and the resurrection. The word baptizo, which is where we get our word baptism, means to submerse, but it also means identification. And so when someone gets baptized, they're, they're identifying themselves with Jesus, which is why it should only be practiced by believers in Jesus, not as an infant. That's why we have child or family dedication here at Springwell, because an infant doesn't make that decision to follow Jesus. It should only be followed as believers to identify themselves willingly and knowingly as putting their trust in, in Jesus. There's a transference of identity when we accept Jesus. Scripture, just to give you a big fancy word, calls it substitutionary atonement. You can, if you write that down, you can impress someone tomorrow. Substitutionary atonement. Atonement, And basically what it means is it means that in order for us to have a relationship with God, some price had to be paid. There has, there, some, our sins had to be atoned for. And so what baptism represents, it represents us identifying ourselves with Christ. And literally the substitutionary part means when I put my faith in Jesus, literally his perfection is literally taken off of him, although he's still got plenty left, and it's put on to me. And so Jesus paid the price. He substituted the atoning price for me. And so when we go under the water and we come out, we, we, are, we are recognizing our new identity and saying, yes, I accept Jesus. I accept your perfection because I could not have done this on my own. Faith unites us with Christ. Baptism symbolizes it. And that's why absolutely you can have a relationship with Jesus. Hear me. You can have a relationship with Jesus and not get baptized. The Bible says 
if you admit that you're a sinner and you believe in your heart and you confess him as Lord, that you will be saved. Baptism is not what it takes to accept Christ, but it's what reveals that you've accepted Christ. The best way I can think of it is like a wedding ring. You can have a wedding ceremony without a wedding ring. Do y'all know that? Totally legal, God-honoring. You can get papers and everything. You can skip the wedding ring part completely. You can get wedding tattoos if you want to. You can get wedding bracelets. You can get wedding piercings if you want to. You don't have to get a wedding ring, but do you know what a wedding ring does? It doesn't make you married, but it tells everybody you're married, doesn't it? That's what baptism is for us. It doesn't make us a believer in Jesus, but it symbolizes, it identifies us publicly with who Jesus is. Baptism identifies, but it also declares. It declares. It allows us the chance to to give testimony for all that Jesus has done for us. It declares openly, and it says it's, it's a way to shout from the rooftops just for a moment, a way for us to celebrate with everyone. Yes, I have a new identity. Let's celebrate it. And that's why when, when we baptize here, baptism should never be, should never be a, a sad, humble, um, boring occasion. Baptism should be, should be more like a party than, than a funeral. Baptism should be something we get excited about because literally what someone's saying is they're saying, I am no longer identified as a sinner. I am identified as a child of God and I am declaring it to everyone. And so basically what we do as we watch baptism and as we celebrate baptism, what we are celebrating is someone's new identity in Jesus because they're declaring in front of everybody publicly saying, yes, this is my new life. I declare it and I shout it and my life will no longer be the same. That's why we invite people to celebrate it with you. It's also great because now they can hold you accountable because they can say, listen, I was there. I saw you get baptized. You, you don't need to be doing that. Baptism, you, you declare. It would have been a the idea of an unbaptized believer in the New Testament would have been foreign to a New Testament person. As a matter of fact, if you look at Scripture, you look at the book of Acts, you see Peter. There's a guy on a horse one day. Peter sees him reading his Bible. Peter goes up, talks to him. He accepts Jesus, and immediately that man says, i got to get baptized. Because baptism is an important part of declaring and identifying yourself with Jesus. I read this, and I wanted to make sure I read this for Babe. It says, baptism dramatically portrays what happens spiritually when you receive Christ. Your old self of unbelief and rebellion and idolatry died. And a new you of faith and submission, submission and treasuring Christ came into being. That's what you confess to the world and to heaven when you're baptized. You're declaring, it's not about me. You're declaring, I'm not going to be perfect, but I have a new identity. Paul lays out pretty specifically what baptism is and what Jesus did in Romans 6. Romans 6, starting in verse 1. And we always read this to baptism people before, as they sign up and before they get baptized on a Sunday. But I want to read it to you. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that, sin, so that grace may increase? In other words, should we sin more so that we can get more grace? 
You know what I'm saying? Y'all ever, y'all thought about that sometimes, right? You're like, well, God's going to forgive me? He's saying, no, 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 no. He says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Remember, when you go under the water, you're being baptized into his death. You are dying to your old self with him. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. This is all symbolic. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So Paul is saying, do you remember that baptism you had? What you were doing is you were identifying, you were taking on the identity of Jesus. You were dying to yourself and you were accepting the new life that he had for him, for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give us a moment for the people in this room. I want you to ask yourself a question. Do I know my identity is in Jesus? Do I know my identity is in Jesus? And one of the ways you can answer that is what happens when life gets the best of you? Are you shaken for a little while and then you stabilize or are you shaken forever? Because Jesus is a foundation that even though we may be shaken, he will sustain us. So this morning, if, if, you don't, if you've never understood who you are and you've been searching for your identity, I would ask you this morning to place it in the only place that's stable. The Bible says that if you admit that you're a sinner, the term there is an archery term. It means to miss the mark, to miss the bullseye. Anything short of perfection is missing the bullseye and we've all missed the bullseye. But it says if you admit that, and you believe in your heart that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was perfect, that he did substitute, that he did substitute the atonement for your sins by rising from the dead. If you believe that, and if you confess with your mouth, which is what I'm about to give you an opportunity to do, that you will be saved. If that's you this morning and you want to accept Jesus, you can say this out loud. That would be awesome. Or you can say it to yourself. God can hear it. Just say, Jesus... I need more. I need to know my identity. And so I know it's not going to make me perfect overnight. I know I'm not going to feel perfect overnight. But this morning, I just feel like I need to give it to you. Jesus, I'm sorry for missing the mark, for lacking perfection. But I do believe. And today, I want to confess to you as my Lord. I give my life to you. I confess that you're greater, that you're better, that I see your goodness. And this morning I put my life in your hands. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we're gonna baptize. We have some folks that have 
signed up to be baptized. And as they get baptized, don't you dare sit here and watch. You get up. You celebrate their new identity. You celebrate. You declare with them their new life. But you also have a chance to get baptized too. I know you may not have planned on it, but you didn't catch God by surprise and you didn't catch us by surprise. Maybe you just prayed that prayer with me. Maybe, maybe, you've never, maybe you've identified yourself with Jesus, but you've never publicly declared your life with Jesus. We are ready for you this morning. At Springwell, we love people. So we want you to feel celebrated this morning. We want you to feel comfortable. So even if you hadn't planned on getting baptized this morning, we have everything you could possibly, possibly need. We know that depending on your background or your culture or, what, or how, how important things are to you, we have the stuff you need. If, if your hair is important, we have shower caps. We have, we have t-shirts. We have shorts. We have everything you could possibly need. We're, taking, we're removing all the excuses from you declaring this morning that Jesus is your Lord. So as we sing, as these people get baptized... If you want to get baptized, even if you just want to know more about what it takes, you come right over here. David and Pastor Brian are here. You come right over here and you tell them either I want to get baptized or I want to know more. This morning, we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate people that are identifying themselves with Jesus and declaring that they have new life in Him. Are y'all ready? Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for new life. Thank you for the opportunity to identify ourselves with you. And God, this morning is, as there's people out there, I know, I know, I know, I sense that there are people fighting it right now. I'm not ready. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I'm scared. I don't want to get wet. I, don't, I wasn't prepared. God, I just pray that you would move them out of their seat this morning. God, that you would remove any mental block and in the name of Jesus, that you would just let them feel freedom and comfort in this moment. But God, we also thank you for these people that have already declared it, have already identified themselves with you. And God, I pray that this morning we would have, we would have a party as dead people celebrate being raised to new life. Lord, as the symbolic bones get breath breathed back into them, God, we celebrate this morning, God. We do not take this lightly. We celebrate you. We celebrate them. Thank you that we get the honor and the privilege of witnessing this this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.